Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. We live in some strange times. Maybe this is the strangest of times, and I'm sure for most of you, it's the strangest that you've ever experienced in your life. I do remember the 60s and growing up during that traumatic time in American culture where there were the civil rights movement, there were protests happening all over the place, there was the Vietnam War, there was multiple assassinations, and I do remember that time, but as horrific as it was, there was something different about it, and part of it is that, well, we were distant from it. The way that we received our news back then made it not as real as what we are experiencing today, and so that's part of it. Today, we live at the speed of the internet and news, well, we are privileged to it in just a matter of seconds, and we have a greater national and global awareness than we ever had before, and so that does amp up and intensify things. But I think if everything was even, that this current time that we are experiencing is stranger and more alarming than even what we were going through in the traumatic 60s. I had someone write in recently and they asked me about the cancel culture and they asked me if I would speak into it. And I do want to do that. In fact, that's what I want to do in this podcast because there are several things that are happening that that's in the forefront of all of our minds or things that we are concerned about. And I do want to interact with those things because that's what our ministry is about. We try to bring biblical clarity, a biblical interpretation into the lives that we are experiencing. And the most, well, I imagine the most intense and frustrating and fearful thing that we're going through right now is what we are collectively experiencing as a country. And people are asking, uh, how should we think about these things? What is a biblical perspective on what I am observing uh, in our culture and in our communities? And so someone wrote in and they asked me if I would speak to this idea of cancel culture. And it's not new to me. I've been thinking about it for a while. I will share with you in just a moment the actual question that was posed to me. But I want to talk about that in this podcast. What is the cancel culture? How does it happen? And possibly more importantly, what can we do about it? What is the Christian's response to what we are seeing and experiencing in our culture? Specifically in this podcast, I want to talk about the cancel culture. Canceling out others has reached pandemic proportions. And it's no longer the entertainment and media elites who are doing the canceling or as they are canceling each other. It is now on a ground level where it is affecting the rest of us, the average mom and pop, the average Joe. I mean, we have canceled Mr. Potato Head. We have canceled Dr. Seuss. We have canceled Aunt Jemima. We have canceled as well, it just seems like every week there is a new cancellation that uh, is being forced upon us and is happening at, at such a pace that is it is dizzying and sometimes you can just become confused and lost by it all and and what does it mean well and and it's true it's not just the elites that are canceling each other they're canceling everybody and it doesn't matter who you are big or small they are coming for us too is what I am saying. 
But what I want you to know is that this cancel culture is not new. To, to give it a biblical framework, a biblical perspective, the cancel culture is an anti-God mindset. What they're ultimately are doing is they're trying to cancel God out of our culture. The American culture was built on biblical principles. Even the people who helped frame our country back in the 1700s, though many of them were not God followers, they were heavily influenced by the Bible as everyone was. Therefore, they could only build a country based on biblical ideas and biblical principles. And this country has been a massive success. Yeah, our country is like our lives. It is imperfect. But within the imperfection, there has been massive success. We have done well. This is a fantastic country. But all people do not hold that perspective. There are many people in our country who are opposed to God. They are opposed to biblical principles, which are synonymous with common sense ideas of how to live well in God's world, imperfectly, among imperfect people. America is the crown jewel in, of all the countries in the world, and it is a gravitational magnet where people want to live here, be here. And there's a reason for that, because they recognize that America is different. It is a special place. And again, it is special because it was built and established on biblical principles, and we have been continually evolving into a more wonderful country, as we have seen over the last several years, or several decades would probably be more fair. Over the last several years, though, we have seen this intense urgency uh, to bring America down, to unravel America, to take it out at its foundations. And ultimately, when you put that in the right perspective, what you're talking about is an anti-God mindset. And that is not new. We call it today a cancel culture. But did you know that the cancel culture actually began in Genesis 3-6 when the walking, talking, stalking serpent came along trying to cancel God, trying to remove God out of the mind, out of the life, out of the systems. Well, today's version is just the latest iteration of an old strategy of canceling God. And so when you think about cancel culture, what you have to think about or to parallel it to, or what they're really after, is to cancel God out of our lives. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas, and I am I am glad that you are here. Someone did write in and they asked if I would speak to this idea of cancel culture, and so I want to talk about it. This is episode 310. If you want to read what I'm sharing with you, then just go to our website, rickthomas.net, and and look for this episode, and you can read the show notes here, and there's a lot of embedded links and so forth that you can check out. And it will take you all over our website where you can read other uh, supplemental materials, and you can truly do a deep dive into this particular topic in many different iterations. The title of this episode, episode 310, is Mix Power with Disdain for Others and You Get a Cancel Culture. And that is how you get it. If a person has power, 
They have the ability. They have the authority. And if the person in power, if they have a disdain for someone else, well, then they have the power to cancel them. And that's really how cancel culture happens. Joanne, one of our supporting members, wrote in, and she's the one that actually asked. She's not the first. I've been thinking about this for a while, but she's one of our supporters. And so if you, the supporters of our ministry, they are moved to the front of the line, and we want to honor them. And so when they ask a question, we, we want to respond properly, and we want to serve them. Just yesterday, Marilyn asked a question on our forum, and I jumped right out there and responded to her because she, too, is one of the underwriters of our ministry, and so we do respond to those more quickly, those who have a vested interest in what we are doing, and they they show that through their financial support. And so Joanne, her and Mick, they have been supporting our ministry for a long time, and I'm appreciative of their generosity, and I want to respond in kind by answering a question that she has. And this is what she asked. She said, Rick, do you have a podcast on this cancel culture and preferred reality. I would love to listen to it. Now, what Joanne is referring to is that she read a quote that we put out on social media, and the quote, when she talks about preferred reality, here's the quote. To obtain your preferred reality, you must eliminate all those who keep you from getting there. If you have the power and opportunity You can cancel anyone who keeps you from your reality. And so it's rather a straightforward quote, and it really gets at the heart of this idea of the cancel culture, is what you have is an individual or a group of people that they have a preferred reality. They have something that that they want. And then if you have something that's counter to that, if you have a belief system that is counter to, to what they believe or what they want, then, well, if they have the power and if they have the opportunity... Well, then they're going to remove you. They are going to, they're going to cancel you. And that's how I got to the, to the title of this podcast, that you mix power with disdain for others, then you get a, a cancel culture. Now, you all know that the better response to the cancel culture is to live in a, a community where people can disagree with each other while being friends or at least being civil with each other. I think it's unrealistic to think that all of us are going to be friends, and we don't have to be. We all have our different personalities and and preferences, but minimally we must agree uh, to be civil with each other. And so every community, big or small, it doesn't matter what the community is, whether it's a marriage or a family or a local church or a country, we have to come to the place to where we can disagree while being civil with each other. But the cancel culture does not believe that. The cancel culture has no no interest in civility. They have no interest in disagreement, honestly. Uh, they are, they have only one interest, that they have a preferred reality. And if you cannot uh, accept their preferred reality, then we must move you off the scene. You are canceled. This idea of loyal disagreement, this is a an expression from Edward R. Murrow. Edward R. Murrow died in 1965, and he was a political commentator. He did other things, uh, but he said this. Uh, back in the day, and it is really a profound quote. Let me read it to you. He said, We must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. When the loyal opposition 
dies, I think the soul of America dies. Now, that is a prophetic statement from Edward R. Murrow. He said we can't confuse dissent with disloyalty, and I think too many times we do that. We have someone who is dissenting to what we believe, that they disagree with what we believe, and we automatically categorize them as being disloyal. And therefore, the only option that we will accept is that you must believe or you must be loyal 100% and you cannot disagree at all. That is the cancel culture. They expect you to salute their flag, to march to their orders, to tick all their boxes, to sign off on what they believe. They have a 100% non-negotiable loyalty. There's no such thing as loyal disagreement, meaning that I can be your friend. I can be civil for, uh, w- with you. I-, I can accept you as a human being, but I can disagree with you. They don't believe in that at all. Either you agree 100% or you are disloyal. Those are the only two options in the cancel culture. And so you either will bow down to what we believe. You have no opinion unless your opinion is our opinion. Otherwise, you're disloyal and you must be uh, extinguished. You must be canceled, or whatever it is that you believe must be canceled, or it must be uh, categorized as homophobic or racist or misogynist or paternalistic or whatever it is. It has to be categorized in a a negative way uh, so that ultimately what we're after is to create such a, a stir and such an adverse context for you that you will eventually come around to our side. You will apologize for who you are. You will uh, take a knee for who we are, and you will support our cause because there's no such thing as loyal disagreement. And if that is the mindset of any individual or any organization, basically what I have described here is a cult where you have no ability, you have no recourse to, th- to have an alternate opinion, or it's an authoritarian structure. We have a lot of authoritarian structures. We have church authoritarian structures where this is the way and you walk in it and there is no other way. I'm talking about secondary matters, not on the gospel. We have Christian organizations that are authoritarian structures, not just our cancel culture. You see, this idea of a cancel culture is, it is uh, ubiquitous. It's not just the progressive left that uh, practice a cancel culture, but we also practice it ourselves in our smaller uh, context. And so if you have to be 100% in agreement or you're disloyal, then it is a cult or an authoritarian structure or a dictatorship or any other rigid environment that disproves of an alternate opinion. And they will do it through bullying practices or peer pressure or gaslighting or other coercive coercive tactics. And what happens to us when we sense that, feel that, see that, or we see it coming, then uh, it strikes fear in our hearts. And we self-censor ourselves because we don't want to uh, be confronted or to be the spotlight be drawn to us. And so uh, we might not ever be canceled, 
But in a sense, we are canceled because we no longer voice our opinion, because we don't want to be in conflict with these people who do not allow another opinion. Now, when you think about those who cancel, one of the things that I would want you to do is to broaden out your understanding and interpretation and application of the cancel culture. Because the truth is, anyone can cancel anyone. As I said earlier, the cancel culture started in Genesis 3.6, and so in one sense, this is not new. Now, it is new as far as this most current iteration of it. Uh, when we're canceling books, Amazon is, has canceled some books most recently, and, well, Dr. Seuss, of course, there were like a half a dozen Dr. Seuss books that they, they canceled, but they also canceled another book when Harry became Sally, and then they have temporarily uh, canceled other books like Ab- Abigail Schreier's book, which is really an excellent, if you haven't read her book, I would encourage you to do that. It's called, uh, I believe, Irreversible Damage. I listened to it on Audible several times, and it is an outstanding book. And typically when we think about the cancel culture, we think about these um, broader, more popular uh, ideas, uh, things that, that are ubiquitous in our culture. But cancel culture doesn't just happen on that level. Anyone can cancel anyone. Spouses can cancel spouses. I mean, that happens every day in our country, probably a million times, and that's probably a generous uh, a guesstimate uh, where you uh, demand that the other person be absolutely loyal to what you believe or you cancel them. You cancel them through anger. You cancel them through silent treatment. You cancel them through manipulation. Every one of us, by the way, we've done this. Some of you have done it today. You've canceled someone today because they disagreed with you. And rather than working through the issue, it's just easier easier to practice what our cancel culture practices. Parents do that with children. Children do that with parents. They cancel each other. Church members, friends do this with friends. You see it on social media all the time where you can just unfriend someone, which is just another way of saying that I I cancel you. And then, of course, the question that Joanne is asking, cancel culture, obviously our culture does it as well. And when you think about the cancel culture, there are two primary actors in this drama. There are those who have the ability to cancel and then there are the victims of cancellation, the the counselors, cancelors target. And so I want to talk about both of those actors in this drama. And first I want to talk about those who do the canceling, the power brokers, the people who have the ability and the wherewithal to counsel, cancel. I do biblical counseling for a living, and now I'm confusing counseling from canceling. Those are two different things. But when you think about the power brokers, uh, those who have the power, the, the ability to cancel others, there are at least five different characteristics about these people. And I want to walk through these characteristics so that you can ident- identify them. And maybe you fit the bill. If you happen to fit the bill, maybe there's some areas where, where you can change. And I do want to think about this introspectively myself. 
And so here are, the, here are at least five, this is not an exhaustive list, but at least five areas of how uh, five aspects of a person that has the ability to counsel someone. I'll give you the list and then I'll walk through them uniquely. First, there is opportunity. Number two, there is craving. Number three, there is insecurity. Number four, there is anger. And then number five, there is power slash authority. And those are five elements or aspects of a person who cancels another individual. And so let's take a look at them uh, uniquely. Uh, The first one that I mentioned was opportunity. If your presupposition is to cancel someone and you look long enough, the opportunity will present itself. And so there has to be an opportunity. And of course, if that's your presupposition, uh, you have this idea, you have something that you don't like. Well, obviously, if you look long enough, if you look long enough for anything that you want to look for, you're going to find it. There will be an opportunity that will avail itself. And that's how I arrive at one of these five elements, opportunity. And then number two is craving. This is the part of the quote that uh, Joanne read where they have a craving. They have a preferred reality is what I called it in the quote. And so if you have a preferred reality and you, you believe that your preferred reality cannot coexist with anyone else's preferred reality, well, then you're, you're on the fast track to canceling them out. And so you have the opportunity, you see it, there is a craving, a preferred reality, something that you want, and what the other person wants is interfering with your preferred reality, and so there's craving. And then number three is insecurity. Typically, a person who cancels out another, there is an insecurity or a fear, They are afraid of something happening that they don't want to happen. Maybe they see the other person as gaining an advantage, or maybe they believe that there's going to be the normalization of an alternate belief, that there will be a normalizing of a belief that they do not believe, and so there's an insecurity or a fear. And and I think any three of these things could happen. They're afraid of something happening. That would be one. Two, they're afraid of someone gaining an advantage. That would be two. And then number three, the normalization of an alternate belief. Now, that's probably the most common uh, insecurity that a person who cancels out another one has. The alternate belief, as I've stated earlier, is an anti-God attitude, uh, an anti-God perspective. These people who cancel, generally, if you trace it back far enough, and you really don't have to trace it back that far at all, you're going to eventually run into God. And the problem is, is they don't like God, and they don't like anything that generates from God. They don't want the normalization of a Christian worldview uh, in America, and that is the primarily, primary thing. But that is a deep-seated insecurity or or a fear. And so you have opportunity, you have craving, you have insecurity, and then number four, you have anger. And that is, let's say, frustration, which is a manifestation of anger. It could be overt anger, it could be subdued anger, but you will see anger coming from the cancel culture. I mean, you don't even have to look for it. It's obvious that they are angry 
people. And they use anger as a mechanism. Anger in its most common use is a manipulative tactic of an insecure person who uses anger to get what they want. That's why insecurity and anger go together. And so they are insecure, and so they use anger as a manipulative manipulative tactic so that they can cancel you. And so you have opportunity, you have a craving for a preferred reality, you have insecurity, the normalization of an alternate belief, for example, and then you use anger as a way to control or to manipulate someone. And then the fifth aspect of the people who can cancel others is power or authority. Now they have some, the way that you have power is that they have something that their victims want. We want them to accept us, or we want them to approve us, or we are afraid that they are going to reject us. If we put ourselves in a context where we self-censor ourselves, or put ourselves in a context where their approval or acceptance means too much, then we will submit ourselves to them, and we will give them power and authority over us. And so those are five elements of those who can cancel. And then there is the other person in this drama, the person who is canceled. There's a way to stop the cancel culture. And it's really straightforward. You must refuse to acquiesce. You must refuse to apologize. You must refuse to accommodate what these people are manipulating you to do. Now, realize that that takes courage to do that. Now, if you're wrong, I mean, if they draw out something or point their finger or put their finger on something that is actually accurate, that you need to change and you're truly wrong, then just admit it. Admit that you're wrong. But if you know you're not wrong, then don't give them the power over you. The right thing to do is to resist the cancel culture. And for those of you who resist the cancel culture, you will be freer. You'll be happier. You might not have the worldly success that they have. You might not have the temporal victories that they have, but you will be freer. There is something that they can't cancel, and that is the freedom that you have to be who God has called you to be. You will have internal joy. You will be happier than them. And that's one of the interesting trademarks, I will say, of the cancel culture, is that they are not happy people. And they're not free people because those two things work together. You're happy because you're free. They are not happy because they're not free. They are in bondage to whatever it is that we believe. They're in bondage to whatever it is that, that we like. They are in bondage to our perspectives, and they believe that the only way they can be free, the only way they can be happy, this is the irony of the cancel culture, is that they must eliminate us because we are the ones that, that give them the power to be happy. And so if they cancel us, then they can be happy. And that is a, a twist of irony there. But you have to resist the cancel culture. And I do realize that it is hard. It's very hard to do that. Now, most of us are not going to show up on the elite's radar, those people who are canceling each other. But the truth is, as you've heard throughout this podcast, is that all of us are susceptible to the cancel culture. 
It could be in your marriage. It could be in your family, your church. It could be online. It could be within an organization, a school. It could be at work. It could be in your community. The cancel culture is synonymous with any person who has the power over another, whether that power is self-assumed or that power is given to them because of what they can do to you. Now, though they can cancel Dr. Seuss and they can cancel these other books and movies and music and, you know, whatever it is, uh, these accoutrements of, of culture, that they can cancel them but they cannot cancel you. And my appeal to you is do not self-censor. Don't give them the power over you to where, to where you tamp down or tone down what you believe. Uh, the response for us is to resist the cancel culture. We don't have to be unkind about it. We don't have to be unruly. We don't have to be rude. We don't have to respond with the sinful anger that they uh, act out on us. But we can stand firm, be direct, believe what we believe in an unapologetic, unapologetic way. Again, no unkindness is called for, but we can't self-censor. And they may take away all the accoutrements, the things that we are, the things that we love, the movies that we love, the books that we enjoy reading. They can and they have removed some of them, but they cannot cancel us. And we must stand strong, believe what we believe. And the most important thing for us to do at this juncture in American history is that we need to respond back with grace and with truth. If you want to talk about this, let me know. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.